beautiful. Thank you to Chris and the band for leading us so well. That was uh, really, really, really beautiful. So, um, afternoon, everyone. Afternoon. Uh, just to add uh, my welcome to you. It's really lovely to have you here. My name's James. I'm uh, the vicar here. And, um, yeah, it's lovely to share this afternoon with. And do stay for coffee and tea and flapjacks uh, after. So, um, we're going to be looking at the scriptures together. There's a slide coming on uh, the screen here uh, in a moment. It should be there, uh, Joe. But uh, my question is this afternoon, has any, have any of you, um, do any of you have kids, no kids, or even been one? Anyone here been one, be one? So, uh, I think it's got stuck there. So, if you have, you will know, if you're going on a journey with a child, you know what their favorite question is, isn't it? Are we nearly there yet? Yeah, and if you are a parent or a grandparent, you've got some experienced answers. You've got some ones that will kind of, well, these days, just give them an iPad, don't you, really? But, uh, uh, but you, you know, you've got your kind of stock answers. You've got your sarcastic ones. You've got your clever ones. Um, but kids love asking questions, don't they? The other uh, classic question that kids always ask is, why? Why? Have you, have, you ever, have you ever had that when your kid asks you why? And then, and then they ask you, you give them the answer, and then what do kids ask again? Why? And it just keeps on going, why, 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 why? And then it goes back to God himself, who made God. And you know what the answer is? You ask Dave, sure. Dave knows all these things. You just don't know. It just goes on and on, this kind of why thing, doesn't it? It's just kind of, kind of endless. So next slide. Thank you, Joe. But have you ever asked yourself? I'm sure you have. It's a picture of Top Church in its glory days. And um, soon our, we, do you know what we found out? You see... I don't. I, sh- I won't tell you what we found out actually, because probably shouldn't. But um, let's just say it's really good. Those sticky out things. It's a good job we're just putting a bit of glue around them, and uh, there were no risk to the to the public whatsoever. So anyway, it's a good job we're up there quick enough, isn't it? Anyway, but you ever ask yourself um, why? Um, wh- why do we do what we do in church? Can I ask you that? Well, why do we, why why this? Why this? Now, particularly if you're from um, if you're not from church background at all, you probably think, well, why why do they sing? Why do they sort of say sorry for stuff? Why why do they have to listen to someone preach? Why do they have communion and all that kind of stuff? And and you kind of ask all these questions. But if you're if you're not fr- if you're from a kind of free church, you're like a non Anglican background, and you've joined Top Church, you're like, I have never had communion so much in my life. You know why do you do all these things? And I remember um, I, I was an Anglican in my teenage years, and then I got saved. No, I was Anglican in my teenage years, um, uh, and but then I joined the Salvation Army and, and whatever, and blah 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 blah. But I used to lead before I was ordained as a as a, a vicar. I used to lead churches. I know. I don't look old enough, but I've been leading churches for 23 years. Yeah, 23 years. I don't look it. I know I look, I look a lot younger. But and um, I used to lead a church in Stourbridge called Chorn Hill. Most of you uh, would have heard of it. And um, we we were a kind of church. It's great church. Loved it. But we were like we were good singers. Do you know what I mean? So we weren't happy unless there was a 34 minute kind of sing song, were we? Do, you know. And Dave would still lead it back in the day. A good sort of 34. Minute. And then after that, we'd have a good 40 minute preach. Bring them back. I say uh, no. And uh, and that you know that was that you some of you are remembering those days but um I loved it but I used to find I used to kind of think to myself now I'm leading this church I'm leading these services and before that I did the same in in London I'm very creative and um a church in Streatham area in London and I used to think I'm sure there should be something more to kind of a church service than this you know I'm I'm loving singing forever um but I'm sure there must be a little bit more to this so I used to do this I used to sneak off on a Wednesday morning um to a church 
church, an Anglican church, okay, to kind of sneak off there where I, I used to be anonymous. Apart from, you know, Claire, she's not here today, our youth and kids worker. Her mum used to go there occasionally and sort of, you know, there I was, so I was trying to hide. But I used to go there and it was a perfect Anglican church. It was a lovely church. You go in and it was cold um, and um, you'd have pews that were uncomfortable. Nobody would talk to you. No one would sit next to you. It's perfect Anglicanism. And then you got given a, serv- a service booklet that, you know, looked disgusting and uh, you'd want to sanitize before and after and they'd give you that. And, you know, and then there'd be three of you there and then somebody would appear from the back and uh, would come out and, uh, and, you know, you'd have a lovely, lovely service. And, you know, it was good Anglicanism. No one would speak to you after and you'd just go. And uh, or you'd get coffee like polystyrene cups or something, something really uh, environmentally friendly. So, so that was kind of my... But here's the thing. I still used to go. It wasn't like that exactly like that but I still used to go regularly because despite all the kind of dog-eared service sheets and the freezing cold buildings and all those sorts of stuff there was something in this morning communion business that somehow really spoke to me there's something in kind of the way the service was kind of shaped structured like put together and 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 I felt like God, we just did a lot of God stuff there and in 40 minutes. This is amazing. You know, normally we've not even got going yet. And, and there was something really kind of remarkable about the structure of it. And I used to really sort of go home and think about it as much as I did think, you know, I was like, well, how does that kind of work? And why, you know, what, what is it about these dogged service sheets that I want to take home and have a little look at? And why do I want to keep sneaking out and hope no one notices that I'm secretly going Anglican and all those sorts of things? Until I suddenly realized, and it dawned on me I know it's dawning on you you're thinking Luke 24 I know what you're thinking you're thinking Luke chapter 24 and it dawned on me this is that what we were doing in those services this is what is what we do here was actually a kind of reenactment of Luke chapter 24 so I'll explain how that all works and why we do what we do and so forth but um Carlo is going to bring uh, the reading to us so it's quite a long reading so bear with us uh, but Luke 24 here we go Okay. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these last days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus, he said to them. How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. 
As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together. Well done, Carl. It's a long reading. I didn't quite know it was going to end either. So, um, so that's exactly what I was thinking about with this, these kind of services I was going to. I was thinking Luke 24. I can see from your eyes. You're like, yeah, I'm with you. So thanks for coming. And uh, glad that's all clear. So, um, but someone once said that the road to Emmaus, and it was one of the resurrection appearances of Jesus, it's not, it's not, the big deal about it isn't so much that it happened, though that is obviously vitally important, that it happened, but that it happens, okay? So that's what we're thinking about. It's not just that it happened at one point, and we're all kind of looking and thinking, isn't that interesting? Look what happened there. And they didn't see him always playing peekaboo or something like that. It, it's not the fact that it happened. It, it's the really interesting thing is that it continually happens. And scholars think the reason Luke put that in his scripture at the end, and why it's such a unique one, was simply because Luke was kind of saying, look, this is how it happens. This is how you encounter the living Jesus. This is how you encounter the living Christ. And the really cool thing about the Anglican church, believe it or not, there are some cool things. That just shows my age saying that word. Uh, The really cool thing, really hip thing uh, about the Anglican church is our outfits. No, is that actually what we do is it's based on Luke chapter 24. So I'm going to explain that. It's all based on that. So here's the really interesting thing for you. If you come from, should I get the heating turned down a bit? It's a little bit warm, isn't it? Is it too warm? I mean, We've never said that in a church before. Is everyone all right? Everyone all right? Because I know it drops pe- people drop off soon. So, uh, um, but it's the first words ever spoken in church, that, isn't it? Is it too warm? But here's the interesting thing. When, when one of my um, churches that I used to go to, we would pride ourselves on the Bible. And that's why I kind of, you know, I seem to know a little bit about it. Because, you, you know, I could quote you here, there, and everywhere. I could tell you all this bit. I can tell probably forgotten it now. But, you know, in my heyday, those were the days we were really kind of... Sh- strong on the Bible, yet our services actually didn't have much Bible in them. It's really weird. But Anglican churches, who are the free churches, say, oh, you're not very biblical. Look at you and your bling. Actually, the whole services are based on the Bible. It's all based on Luke chapter 24. It's all based on the road to Emmaus. And we do that because we think it's not just the fact that it happened, but it happens. So what happens. So we will begin and eventually get to the main points, which is what you're, uh, you've got the gist. The first thing is uh, this. It begins with the gathering. It begins with our, the human story. So you've got what they think is a husband and wife, actually. So I've got a whole Genesis thing going on here, Adam and Eve, but we'll come to that a bit later. So you've got husband and wife, and they're having a little discussion. They're not arguing. They're discussing stuff. And they're, they're going on the road, and they're a little bit down, and they're a little bit fed up, and they're just sort of just fed up with life. And they're, they're just chatting about how they're doing, and they're disappointed with how this Jesus thing has worked out, okay? They're not alone in that. They're disappointed. Not, you know, they thought they had high hopes for him. He was, do, he was doing so well, wasn't he? He was only 30. He's doing so well. And they all just kind of went wrong and it didn't quite turn out. And so they're a bit fed up. They're a bit down spirited and they're just kind of 
you know, just feeling a bit kind of naff about life. And they're walking and they're sharing together. And as they gather together and as they share how they feel, and one could call it confession, Jesus comes in their midst. And they don't recognize him straight away, but he comes alongside them. When we gather every Sunday together in our cheeky little midweek service in any church, you begin with, and the Anglican church, you begin with this sense of gathering. And you begin with what's old time is called confession. When I've been in my other churches, I never confess my sins. And that's because I didn't do any. No. Uh, that, you know. But in the Anglican church, I've not been disappointed. I meet sinners every week. Because we have a part in our service, like those two people, when we just say, it's a bit, I'm feeling a bit naff. Yeah, I'm feeling a bit naff too. But I thought you were a Christian. Well, I thought I was. But well, I still feel a bit naff. And, and, and that kind of, I haven't quite lived quite right. And you're in that kind of place. And you center yourselves. And you confess our sins. And that's what we did. Sarah led us in a little bit earlier and that's the first thing we do we try and gather together we use some liturgy to focus on Christ but we come into that place of recognizing and confessing our sins together and it starts not with God's story but it starts with our story yeah so it's how we're feeling what we're doing what kind of week we've had it begins with our story before we can get to God's story can you remember when Jesus was um at last supper and he said one of you will betray me tonight can you can you remember that and all the disciples said they turned to each other and said oh that could be me 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 isn't that amazing if you judged it on some of the songs, we, I love song worship, by the way. If you judge it by some of the songs, it would never be any of us because we're wholly committed to Jesus. We never do anything wrong. But they had such a humility about themselves, an awareness of their vulnerability and their weakness. They thought, oh, yeah, that's me. That's I'm in trouble here. Do, do, do you see? And we need to cultivate that vulnerability, that frailness, that sense of actually, I'm, I'm not quite right. I'm a bit broken. I'm a bit mucked up. I kind of walk with a limp, you know, as, as Jacob did, because we recognize we're not perfect. And that's the beauty of the gathering part of our service together. So it happened. Yeah, but it happens. And then, and then we move from our story to the word. We turn to scriptures. We turn to God's story. So it begins with our story, how we're doing. And then it turns to God's story. Can you remember um, years ago, showing my age here now um that you had those kind of little pictures where you had like lots of little stamps or something and they're all kind of or little pictures and they're all put together and then you stand back and you see like the picture of the queen or print or i don't know someone famous you know that kind of thing and you go wasn't oh, that interesting and and so the way jesus then begins to open up the scriptures he begins with their story then he comes alongside he sneaks in next to them like he does every sunday kind of sneaks in next to us without us knowing sometimes because we're so fed up we don't notice and then he begins to open up the scriptures which hopefully we're doing now and as he opens up the scriptures he says you see all these funny little bits in the hebrew scripture all of them come together like a stamp he doesn't actually say that bit but it's a bit like that he said on their own all these little verses don't seem to make sense some are amazing some are a bit just whatever and some are just like I don't know about that bit and and, but you put them together and Jesus says they all point to me they all point to Jesus they all the words in that word point to the word to Jesus and he opens up the scriptures to them and it says that their hearts were burning within him as he was opening up the scriptures so really good preaching I'm not saying we do it here but I'm telling you what really good preaching would be if we could do it is that what we talk about something happens inside of you not a kind of feeling I really want you to shut up and leave which I know that is there uh, but the other one a feeling like actually what that person is talking about is happening inside of me because 
our hearts are burning as we're beginning to see God's story at work. And it's as if Jesus takes our story and says, yeah, I've got, I, I see you that. And you've got it out of your system. Let me tell you about God's story. And we open up the scriptures and we start to see Jesus in all the scriptures. And it's just a wonderful uh, little kind of piece that, 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 that God does. And then after, you know, there's a lovely, I remember this old boy in London called Victor, who was a bit of a character. And, um, you know, these are days when I'd pre. I know this feels like a long time because it is for us at uh, Top Church, but I will finish um, next week. So, but the um, he, he, I remember saying, I think I've spoken too long. I think I'll sit down now. There's only about five of us in the church, and he said, No, no, carry on. I don't understand what you're saying, but it's doing me good. Carry on. And that's that kind of idea that that somehow good Jesus teaching does us good, even if it doesn't always make sense. That, that we're opening up the scriptures and we're coming under that. But then you've got our story. Remember our story. Then we've got God's story. But the two have got to come together, haven't they? Otherwise, it's just awkward. And that is when Jesus leads them to the table. And that's why we have communion so much here at Top Church. Well, every other week, in case you were counting. And that's why we have Holy Communion, because it's around the table we believe that something really wonderful happens. Now, remember me mentioning Adam and Eve. Remember those two back in the day, pottering around Garden of Eden, having a lovely time. And they took a bit of fruit, and oh, they shouldn't have done that. If only they hadn't done that. Oh, well. Anyway, they took a little bit of fruit and they ate a little bit, and Eve liked it, so they gave it to Adam, and they, oh, this is very nice. Uh, and then it says their eyes were opened, and they realized they were uh, naked and ashamed. Do you remember that? Their eyes were opened when they ate it. So we're going back to Luke now. You ready? You ready there, Freddie? Freddie's there already. He never left there. He was always in Luke. So he's there in Luke. And um, Freddie was reading it in the Greek today, weren't you, Freddie? Because he loves the Greek New Testament. And he just read Genesis in Hebrew. And he's there in Greek. And he said to me before the service, James, I've just finished reading Hebrew. No, Genesis. Anyway, whatever. He said to me, isn't it interesting, James, that same word, those same words, eyes opened in Genesis and eyes opened in Luke, are exactly the same. I said, Freddie, you wouldn't believe it. I'm about to tell everybody that. And then he said, isn't it incredible that in the, the first thing that they ate in the Old Testament, their eyes were opened and they were ashamed. And the first thing they eat in with Jesus' resurrection, their eyes are opened and they see Jesus. I said, Freddie, that is an amazing point. And it's so amazing, Freddie. Carlo nodded. So, so that is how good you are, Freddie. So, so, and that's the first meal post-resurrection. They eat the new food of the new creation. And their eyes are opened and they see Jesus. And that's the point of communion. Is that as we take communion, our story, our kind of like fed up story. You might be a happy person, I don't know. But our fed up story. And then we go to God's story. But somehow they've got to come together. And that's in that moment of holy communion. That these two stories collide, as In Excess says. And you have Holy Communion together. And in that moment, our eyes should be open to see Jesus. And that's the first thing that we see as we have communion. And one of my favorite kind of little examples of that is, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I've mentioned it loads of times, is, is Suzanne Wesley, Charles and John's Wesley's mother. Um, you know, every day we'd have communion at a local parish church. And one day the priest said, Suzanne, the body of Christ given for you. And at that moment, she got converted, and the rest is history, isn't it? Because she realized that it was for her. Her story and God's story were coming together in that moment in Holy Communion. Augustine, a famous African theologian, used to say to people when they were receiving communion, he said, behold what you are, become what you receive. Behold what you are, the body of Christ, become what you receive, the body of Christ for the world around you. That's why we have communion so much, because we want 
to see what we are, the body of Christ, but become that for the world around us. And that's why we have communion. We're nearly done. We're at the fourth bit, Freddie. We're nearly there. So the final bit is this. What's really cool is this. So all that stuff happens. So you've got their story and they're a little bit down. And then you have God's story and they're like, this is really cool. This is a whole Jesus thing. And then it, the stories come together. But it's such wonderful stories. It's such an amazing story about Jesus that then they've just walked seven miles. It's like a park run. They've just park run it all the way to Emmaus, had a little bit of food, met Jesus, realized he's resurrected, and then they go all the way back again so what they do is that they go out back into the world to share the good news of Jesus two things to say about that really quickly that's a great example of what repentance is that's a kind of posh Christian word but basically it means when you meet Jesus you turn around and your life changes and you go off in another direction and it never never finishes changing direction once you meet Jesus because it's always like all right I got you know he's, he's a bit different than I thought he was and whatever but essentially your life changes direction they were going one way they're having a lovely weekend in the Premier Inn over in Emmaus. But actually, they realized that they didn't even stay there for the weekend because they needed to get back to the travel lodge in Jerusalem. And they headed back. Their lives changed around. That's what happens when you encounter Jesus. Your life begins to change. But also then they go out and tell the gospel. You know, at the end of every service at uh, Top Church, and we have a little blessing, don't we? We're not always very good at our blessings. We're working at them now, aren't we? We've got, we've got, we've got a lovely one lined up today. And, um, and, and what happens is this. Is the reason we get that kind of blessing of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is so that we are then sent back out into the world to say what they said, that we've seen the risen Christ and he has really appeared to us. So the calling of the church isn't just to have our nice services and that, oh, that's really interesting, James. But actually then is to go out and repeat, rinse and repeat, is to go out and to say to everybody, we've seen the Lord. In other words, I tend to think, you know, I wouldn't sort of you know, bet on it because I don't bet, but I tend to think that actually the shape of our services, there's something divine about them. There's a divine, divinely inspired shape to these services. And even when they're done bad and naff and they're cold and they're dogged little bits of service, there's still something in there that has the imprints. You might have to look quite hard sometimes, but has the imprints of God himself, of that road to Emmaus. That's why we do what we do. That's why we don't sing for just a whole hour. That's why we don't preach for a whole hour. I know it feels like it, but we really don't. But that's why we have those four parts to our services, because we think this is what happens. This is the way you encounter Jesus. And we put her on our way. First we have a flapjack. And then we put her on our way. And we take the wonderful risen Jesus out to everywhere we go. Let's pray together. You thought I'd never get to that end bit, did you? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that uh, journeying with you is never dull. Thank you, there's, there's always so much to learn and to develop. And we pray for us here at Top Church. We pray for all churches across Dudley, across our borough. We pray that we might all have those moments where we gather together, where we hear your word, where our story and your story come together in Holy Communion. And then you send us out to share your love in all the world. Father, help us to be obedient to, to things that you ask us to do. And help us to be a church where we don't just think, oh, a Mayor's Road happened. But somehow it happens week in, week out. Encounters with the risen Christ. We ask this in his name. Amen.